Greetings, world. This is Paulo Spaniola, and you're listening to Hidden Apron Radio, where we talk to regular people just like you and I, eating in very interesting ways. And we try to find out on this show what makes these people tick,、uh, what gets them hungry. We go into everything from simple kitchen hacks that you can use today,、uh, trial by fire wisdom, how to pull off a side hustle, and as you'll see, many of the people I talk to on this show. Started out with a dream and a passion project while actually doing something else. Lots of philosophical arguments and, of course, tangential commentary. This show is for anyone who's interested in eating better, cooking more, and when it comes down to it, living well.、Uh, you can mo- find more information about us on hiddenapron.com.、Uh, we're also on Instagram for your usual food porn needs at hidden underscore apron. And if you have any questions, commentaries, quandaries, rants, raves, shoot us a message, hiddenapron at gmail.com. Now, it's no secret that many of us today enjoy food through social media. I think、um, personally, I spend hours a week just scrolling through Instagram looking for inspiration and what people are cooking up. Obviously, there's Twitter if you want to engage in the conversation. And today's guest is really someone who's lived and breathed the online game for quite a long time. She actually started writing about the food she ate back in college,、uh, moving on up to restaurant reviews. And now she's the force behind the Filipino food movement Instagram account, which by my last count has 35,000 followers and features Filipino food from all over the world.、Uh, that's none other than Joanne Boston. Who is the definition of a social media maven?、Um, she's managed to grow the Instagram account to thousands of followers in such a short period of time. She's also quite the expert in getting people to converse about a topic that's near and dear to her heart. You know, in the early days, she got a group of friends to form Capamilia, which was basically a group of people who would go up to chefs who always wanted to cook. Creative Filipino food, but didn't quite have the market to justify it, and actually giving them a platform to to create. And so the topics we'll cover today, I think, even though we focus on Filipino food, applies to a lot of other cuisines.、Uh, we talk about how do you organize people around ideas and food, whether it's on social media or in person. We talk about the actual. Social media usage, the tools that she's used, and you'd be surprised just how little it takes to get to the level where a lot of people are are looking at your content and finding value from it and actually creating their own through you. I will confess that at some points the interview actually became a very, a very therapeutic session for me.、Uh, we talked about creating art and being confident in it.、Uh, how do you? How do you suffer through the comment section?、Uh, for for people who live on the blogosphere,、uh, know all too well. So we hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did.、Um, I found it very insightful. And without further ado, Joanne Boston. Joanne, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for your time. And so, I, first question: I think this is like <laughs> the first thing that popped into my head the other day. How do you pronounce? Your last name, because in my head, like my fab Filipino comes out, and I hear like John Boston. <laughs> oh my Bo- gosh! Or is it、so、Boston? <laughs> it's like, Boston. Like,、okay. That's so funny. I had a friend.、Um, I was at a.、Uh, I was like in college, and、um, I was at an open mic, or it was like an open poetry slam, and I was、yeah. one of the、um, the speakers, and I didn't know him at the time. I want to sh- send a shout out to Romeo. He was like. The next speaker will be Joanne Boston, <laughs> and I was like, "No, Romeo is just Boston, <laughs> like the city." Oh,、uh, so、funny! Good, good to good to clarify that. I、uh, <laughs> like my dad still does the same thing where I'd introduce a friend to him and、uh-huh. be like, "Oh, this is my friend. He's Filipino too. His name is Matias."、So、he's like, "No, it's Matias," and I'm、Matias. like, "How are you gonna just tell him his name is something else?" But、right. thank you for clarifying.、Um, no problem. So. I know you have、uh, a pretty long history with Filipino food in general.、Uh, what are you? What? What's your? What's your hustle now? What are you working on?、Um, what? What are people gonna see you is doing right now? Right now,、um, as far as okay, so basically, I'm part of the Filipino food movement, which is a just a group of volunteers、um, 
who wants to spread the the word on Filipino food? Um, there's two parts of the of the of the quote unquote the movement, um, which is the actual organization. We are a legit 501c3 based here in the in the Bay Area. Um, volunteer base. We do events, um, speaking engagements, um, food engagements here in the Bay Area. And the second part of the movement is the collective collective effort of all the chefs, restaurants, writers. Anybody who's enthusiastic about Filipino food here in um, the U.S. and abroad. So um, I, I'm in both. I am a board member of the Filipino food movement. Mm-hmm. My main thing right now is doing the marketing, um, being liaison between the chefs and um, the organization, just letting them know what's going on in the Filipino food scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been. I used to blog a lot when I was. Um, fresh out of college, uh, that's kind of died down a little bit more. I'm more focused on um, Filipino food articles, things like that. Whenever somebody asks me, hey, can you write something about Filipino food? Yeah, I'll do that. That'll be great. Um, and I I actually just was really um, surprised to see that on our Instagram, which I manage, we reached 32,000 followers. Oh man, so, was that recent? Yeah. Just like that was just last week. Oh my gosh! So, um, that's what I do right now. Every day, I just update um, social media. Um, I research what the best stories of Filipino food are. I, yeah. So that's that's my thing. I really don't have like a schedule of like set things to do. Like whatever I feel is needed to do that day, yeah. that's what I do. Um, basically, right now it's just marketing, social media, um, talking with good folks like you. That sounds like like, that. like the mm-hmm. dream job. You get to like eat well, take photos of it. <laughs> I'm sure it's not because people say ask me the same thing like, oh, so you just get to like Instagram food. I'm like, well, it's a little harder than that. But yeah, um, you but, should see you should see how I organize things though. It's like I it's it's not just like I just pick out a, a picture out of nowhere and just post about it. It's like I have a queue of like 500 pictures like waiting to be posted. Yeah, and yeah. There there's there's some organization behind it too. Right. That's actually one of the questions I'm going to bring up later about like how mm-hmm. you pick, but um besides these hustle, like is this a this is not your full-time thing, right? No. So this is what we call our passion project. Right. Um like what I said before, this is all volunteer based. Um, the Filipino food movement was created by um, PJ Casada of Ramar Foods, which is a huge um, name in the Filipino food industry. They right. are the, um, as far as I know, the only uh, Filipino food uh, producers um, manufacturing company here in the Bay Area, mm. and they've been here for decades. Right. So um, I, how I met him was I used to blog, like I said earlier. I used to write for CBS, SF Station, and I just became one of these, you know, those those people that you see at Filipino food festivals and Filipino food events. Like, you you see them at every event. You don't know who they are, but you, <laughs> but you just say hi to them because yeah, you've yeah. seen them at so many events. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. that's what happened between me and him. And then um, eventually somebody told him, you know, this person is involved in Filipino food, which I, I first of all, like, I love being Filipino. I love the culture, even though I was born here in the United States, it's always been part of me to be very active in, um, like when I was in college, we were in like PCNs, I was in the Filipino student union, you know, we did Filipino food festivals. So, and even when I went into writing, like having this boom of Filipino food trucks and Filipino food stalls opening like around, I want to say 2009 Mm -hmm. and me forging relationships with these vendors and these businesses, um, it, it, it piqued my interest. Okay. You know, this is something I really want to, um, focus on. Right. So damn, what was the original question? <laughs> I just read, I just like went on. That's the beauty of the podcast. Cause we totally encouraged ranting. <laughs> um, but the original question was, this is, so this is not your full-time gig. Oh, this is your passion project. Yeah. What's, what, what's your full-time uh, gig, your day job, I guess you could say. Thanks. Okay. So I work, um, in one of the hospitals in San Francisco. I work in uh, medical accounting billing. Ah. So that's my full-time job. Okay. See, I think, I think that's one thing that's really cool as I've met more and more people who are engaged in passion projects like this is that everyone has so many hats to wear. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing that I always want to highlight is like, this is not always just like a, the full time. I wish it was, right? Um, right. But going back all the way back. So you mentioned you were writing in college. Even mm-hmm. before that, what, what sparked it? Like what started you thinking like, I want to write about food? Okay. So, well, my, my family has always been food lovers. My, I was raised here in San Francisco. I used to, um, I lived in a little, uh, in-law apartment with my grandma, my grandpa and my mom and my uncle and my aunt. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) yeah. So my, um, my grandparents, well, my grandpa and his brother immigrated here, um, between, well, my, my grand uncle came here right after world war two. Um, he was granted, travel here because he was a Navy seaman for, um, the American army or Navy. And so that gave him, um, basically he could travel from Seattle to the Philippines, Japan. So he was a, he was a traveler and he told my grandpa, Hey, come over here. Um, so my grandpa, my mom's dad came here in 1979 he got my mom here in 1983. I was born in 1984. And so um, my grandma came over and, you know, first generation American born. Um, I think a lot of the the customs of um, being Filipino was still very much ingrained in them. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they're in a new country, um, they still, you know, they still cook the same food. They spoke the language. So I was very um, immersed in that still in my younger years. So food was a, was a huge part of that. Um, mm. Every every weekend there was cousins over, there were aunties and uncles, even people from work over, always eating. A lot of the pictures that we have in my, in our photo albums was centered around the dinner table. Granted, it wasn't a very huge kitchen, but everybody was there, everybody was eating. There's always pictures of us um, eating or cutting of vegetables, things like that. So my mom, um, even though she came from a medical background, she ended up being in hospitality. So even to this day, she still works in hospitality here in the city. Okay. So a lot of the things that she taught me, um, growing up, well, one first, my grandma, of course, she cooked Danola, adobo, everything in her kitchen. And she let me watch. And because we didn't have cable TV, so it's either watch my grandma cook or watch Jacques Pepin cook on, on PBS. <laughs> so either way I was I was exposed to cooking and my mom she was working in the restaurants here um there was you know with the tech boom and and gourmet cooking and five-star dining she taught me what Kobe beef was she taught me she taught me what foie gras was and wine and things like that so when I officially became an adult and um when I went to college you know like San Francisco it's like one of the meccas of the world you know like all the great food is here. So um, learning independence and and traveling in my own city and just seeing what's out here, it just, it was great. So when I, when I graduated college, I was on a very limited income because I was, even though I was working full time, I still went to school um, for, for my, uh, for my job now. Mm -hmm. And I just said, Hey, I, I'm eating really great food, so I'm going to document it, even though it's just like a $2 sandwich from, from like a bunmi, yeah. from, from, you know, the tenderloin, which is like one of the sketchiest parts of the city. I'm going to, I'm going to post about it. Right. So I started this around 2006, 2007. Right. So it's, it was, it didn't start out as like, like, you know, some food bloggers, when they start out, or, or food writers, they start out as in, like, I'm going to make a statement, or I'm actually, you know, trying to get followers or whatnot. This was really just to document what you ate. Yeah, I was actually in, inspired by a gentleman, I forgot his name now, who put out a book because he, it was like a photo journal of everything he ate for a year. Okay. So, you know, like, I said... Why not do that too? I like, yeah, I was being a, kind of a copycat because I wanted to see what I was eating too, and and every time I went out to eat something, it, it wasn't necessarily Filipino food, but you know, like a bun mi or a cupcake or something like that. Right. And it opened my eyes to even more businesses out there. So eventually, I just started uh, doing freelance for um, not necessarily restaurant reviews, but more like restaurant recaps. Um, I was attending 
food blogger events. I met other food bloggers. I met other food writers and journalists. Mm -hmm. And that, that, that basically started how, um, started my networking. Right. And, and what was the hardest part? I mean, at some point, you know, you went from just doing restaurant reviews and recaps to actually, you know, writing. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I looked at your blog and there's like a ton of restaurants. I have no, yeah. no idea how you managed to make it through all of them with that level of consistency. But, you know, what was the hardest part about writing about food? Okay. So, which is probably why I stopped writing. Um, first, it was expensive. Um, mm-hmm. I, I started my really hardcore restaurant recaps when I got my job, which is the same job I have right now. I've been there for eight years. Mm-hmm. So the so that income that came in was like, ah, oh, this is fucking great. You know, like I could actually go to this five star restaurant. And looking back, like in hindsight, like, what the fuck was I doing at this <laughs> restaurant? I have no idea. I was twenty three <laughs> years old eating, you know, like this this awesome egg at the Ritz Carlton that was smoked with cedar wood. I was like, what the fuck was I doing? <laughs> what? So um, but that was the hardest part. It was actually um it was very hard to write on something that I can't base it on. Oh, I, I liked it. Mm. You know, like I actually had to research on, you know, where this chef came from. Um, San Francisco cooking has a lot to do with, you know, being resourceful and um, local vendors and things like that. So I had to like research the farms where they got their pigs Um things like that. So it was, it was almost like writing a research report sometimes. Right. And, and I didn't want to disappoint anybody. I didn't want to make everybody think that, Oh, I'm just writing it just cause I, cause I could afford it or I can, you know, just cause I can, you know, I wanted to write to, you know, actually show that I know stuff about, about what I'm eating. Um, it was like going to school all over again, actually to classes at, um, uh, UC Berkeley was actually offering some really cool food classes. So I, I went to those, I went to food seminars, food conferences. And, um, but some of the hardest part was that you really have to know what you're, what you're writing about. Um, you have to be aware that there are people who will disagree with you Mm -hmm. and just having a schedule to write weekly. Um, because I had my nine to five, you know, I had a family. So that was the hardest part. So eventually I just said, okay, you know, maybe it's time to turn a leaf and, and start something new. And right. that's when that was maybe like two, three, three, four years later. And then that's when the whole food street food movement came in. Right. And this is the time when it, correct me if I'm wrong. This is when you started doing Capamilia. Yeah. So, um, okay. yeah, that's a couple years after. So, the timeline is 2009 big street food movement here in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. It was super cool because a lot of these businesses were not licensed. They were basically serving tamales and pupusas from the back of their trucks. By the way, when you say unlicensed, that, that does does that mean I like I'm not sure what the terminology is. Does that mean illegal or they're just <laughs> technically? Like, okay. <laughs> so basically, how this okay? There is this um, this vendor here in San Francisco, Creme Brulee Cart. It's literally a cart. So he would post on Twitter. That was when the boom of Twitter came to. Mm-hmm. He would say, okay, okay, guys, I'm at the corner of, of um, 24th Emission. There was no other, other marketing aside from Twitter. Oh, so wow. what you would do is you would go, it's like a scavenger hunt. Sometimes he would say, he wouldn't even say what um, intersection he would be at. He'd be <laughs> like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm under this club where there's a cow coming out from the side of it. <laughs> and so you had to find where he was. And it was it was like this underground movement of all these people who wanted to share their food. Right. They didn't necessarily have the credentials of a chef or the licensing or anything like that or even, you know, surf safe certification. They just wanted to share their food. Mm-hmm. And from that, there were a bunch of Filipino food vendors. There is a Lumpy Cart. There is a Dobo Hobo. And it was there was like a cult following, you know, like, OK, where are they going to be next? So that's, that's actually, that's where I want to say, okay, you know, these vendors really want to share their cooking. I'll document them now. And so we, over, over the, over the next months, 
we became friends with these vendors because we would see them all the time. And eventually my, I, I would run into these people at these events. Like, you know, when you see that person, you see them at all these events. So we finally introduced each other, each other to ourselves. So like, Hey, I saw you at the last event. Want to hang out? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so eventually this group of people was Cup Amelia and, um, we would collaborate with chefs, go to their restaurants and say, okay, you know, we know that you're not necessarily cooking Filipino food or you are cooking Filipino food, but it's only two items. Do you have, you know, some sort of arsenal in the back of your head that you want to let out really, really bad? And a bunch of them said, yeah, I want to do it. Mm-hmm. So one of the prime examples is Dalmainza from the now closed Mercury Lounge. And he was, he's probably one of our biggest supporters. He, he, we would have a, a pop-up every month and each month had a different theme. So one year um, we did one, which Adobo Nation actually came to the dinner and, and, and recorded, but he wanted to do a uh, pub food with a Tagalog twist. Okay. So he did, um, he did toad in a hole. He did, um, what did he do? Welsh rabbit. He, yeah, so he basically did English and British food. With but Filipino put Filipino, twist. exactly. Oh, that's so, so cool. Yeah, and then he did another pop-up with, um, like, different dishes from, like, iconic dishes from around the, around the world. It's as if, like, he gave a passport and a ticket, an open-ended ticket to a Filipino and told them to travel around the world and put their stamp on, on, on their dishes. So like in Italy, he did like a, a rest called a risotto. In Hawaii, he did an empatito masubi, you know, things like that. So he was super creative with, right. with his menu. And um, that basically just opened the floodgates. And we got some followers. We, we, we did this for a little while. But of course, life happened, you mm-hmm. know. So life happened to a lot of us. Um, like some of us had children and some of us got married. So that, that died down a little bit in 2012. Okay. So, but that was still a while back and it seems like one, it's, it's really cool because I think you were at the right time where you're able to organize communities using social media, but also empower chefs to be creative and give them space outside of, you know, the constraints of running a restaurant. Right. Um, but it, looking at it now, you know, there's, it's been three years. Twitter was definitely booming back then. Um, Facebook organic reach is way, way down now. Mm-hmm. And even, so I work in social media and everyone's always talking about how do you cut through the noise? Mm-hmm. And so today, if, if, you know, you met someone like a younger version of you who wants to organize communities, um, whether it be on social or, or otherwise, given the fact that it's a little harder now to go cut through the noise, what would you say? Like, how would you advise someone who wants to organize communities um, online or, or in person? Well, it's, it's really important to network. Um, you just never know who you'll meet and what they could offer for you. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what, that's where this whole movement came about. It's, it was about networking and connecting with people. Like when, when I first started talking to chefs, I wasn't really thinking of having this huge, you know, influence and, and having, you know, 30,000 followers years down the line. It was more like, okay, what can we do in our space right now? I'm not talking about world domination. I'm talking about what can we do in our neighborhood right now in San Francisco? So I knew that if, if we reach the right people, then of course they tell their friends and they'll tell their friends and, you know, it'll just grow from there. So I think the first thing is have a goal and just do it. Um, and okay, then tell a few people who you think can help you. So with us, with Couple Amelia at the time, it was myself and a videographer and I, two, two IT techs and a chef, you know, like the only person who had culinary experience was the chef right <laughs> but but the rest of us like we had we had no no um knowledge about being in a restaurant but we knew people who did so right right so what so what we did was okay 
us four, we said, okay, who do we know? And then from then on, it just grew. Right. So the first thing is have an idea of what you really want to do. And then just find the people who could do it with you. And then just do it. That's that's the only thing I could say. Right. And it seems like you didn't you, you didn't have this pressure, which for some reason I find now today where you kind of have to, you, you almost feel pressured to be able to do everything. And it, you know, like you said, there was only one chef. Yeah. But you knew people who could kind of fill in those gaps with yeah. your friends and stuff. I think that's in that's still the struggle right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we we have so many people who are passionate about this, but having the people to be that voice or to be that helping hand, that's the struggle. Right. Um, to find the people to be in your group to put in the effort because a lot of us are doing this for free. And, you know, a lot of us have families. A lot of us have, you know, nine to five jobs, even more than one job. And I think that's probably the hardest thing right now is to find the people to do it. Right. So I, th- this is probably a perfect segue because you mentioned that because of this, this is where the movement came out, right? So mm-hmm. are you referring to Filipino food movement? Is that, was that the right. next thing that happened? Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's go into that. So how did that start? Okay. So um, after Cup Amelia had, um, you know, kind of simmered down a little bit, I was still very passionate about spreading Filipino food. And, and part of the reason why it kind of simmered down was the restaurants that we frequented had either closed or changed management. Mm-hmm. So our, our, um, yeah, our venues, sorry, it took a while to find that word. <laughs> our venues weren't there anymore. Yeah. So, okay, what are we going to do now? So, you know, my friend's life happened, which was cool. And, but I was still pretty, pretty driven to do something about it. Mm -hmm. So I made this serendipitous, um, I guess like I sent out cold emails. I just sent, I just found emails online and I said, what can I do for you? So I sent them to the consulate. I sent them to people I found in the newspaper. I sent them to people who I saw on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And 99% of the time, none of them responded until one person responded. And um, this person is Sonia, who is part of our board right now. And um, she was the organizer of a cooking competition here in San Francisco called Culinaria. And this was probably back in 2011. I forget the year, 2011, 2012. And I didn't know who she was. She, she did not know who I was. But I sent her a link to one of the articles that I wrote for CBS or SF Station. And she said, okay, you know, come down to the event. It's happening in San Francisco. We'd love for you to write an article for it. Sure. Mm-hmm. That's where I first saw PJ and everybody. Like the chefs of San Francisco, Filipino chefs of San Francisco were in this one space. And this was the first time I ever saw Filipino food highlighted in San Francisco. In downtown San Francisco. It was like in the middle of tourist um, tourist area. So I was like, well, I really need to get involved with these people. And from there, and it's just so happened that PJ was the host of this event. I did not meet him at this event. I ended up meeting him later on. But that opened the doors to me being part of the Filipino food um, scene here. Right. And then um, she, Sonia, um, introduced me to so many more people. And I want to say a year later, that's when PJ and I really sat down and asked ourselves, what are we going to do? Because mm-hmm. he, by that time, I had written a few articles. I had um, judged a few of the cooking competitions here. So I, I, I. I started to recognize people and um, they started to recognize what I was doing. So PJ said, Hey, I got this thing. You want to be part of it. We're, we're planning this huge event in 2014. Um, which was so funny because when I was with Cup Amelia, that's what we wanted to do to have a Filipino food focused event, not necessarily like, um, like a Filipino festival, which happens all over the country, but oh, yeah. just a yeah. food festival right 
Um, and it was so funny because a lot of the vendors that we had initially wanted to be there were food trucks and food carts. And we were going to call it <laughs> Filipino food moves. So, or uh, yeah, it was so Very funny. slight twist in words, but very yeah. different, um, different meaning later on. Yeah, right? So when he said, I have the Filipino food movement, I was like, what? Are you sure you didn't read anything when I was writing back <laughs> in the day? I swear I heard that before. And um, he said, yeah, let's just, you know, let's get all our folks together and right. let's figure out something. So, so and that's how it happened. To, to set context around that, because I think you're in a unique place to be able to comment on the uh, evolution, right? Because before the Philippine movement, you've already been exposed to the to the food scene way before that. Right. In the years leading up to the Filipino food movement when it started, how would you say the Filipino food scene has changed? And if, if you can only speak to San Francisco, like that's totally fine. But before Filipino food movement came into the scene, how do you think the, the scene has already been changing? So, hmm. I would say now it's, I would say it's kind of blown up. Um, mm -hmm. You know how they say Andrew Andrew Zimmern has said that Filipino yeah. food was going to be the biggest trend. And he's been saying that for five years in a row. I think it was like back in 2012 he said that. Yeah, yeah. And but no one really caught on to it. Um, mm -hmm. But then again, that was that was just at the that was just at the way beginning. Um, I I want to say that Filipino food here in San Francisco is a lot more accessible. Mm -hmm. um, not necessarily in San Francisco proper, but down the peninsula. So um, San Francisco is at the top of the peninsula, and then below that um, is Daly City, San Bruno, South San Francisco, and all all on this one road called El Camino Real. Mm -hmm. So many Filipino restaurants, and there are so many people, so many Filipino people living in Daly City, which where I live right now. Um, they call it Manila Town, and it's Filipino food has always been here, but it's never been highlighted or it's never been featured in anything. It, it's just like one of those things where it's like, um, like I've been living in San Francisco all my life, mm -hmm. but I've never been to Alcatraz, you know, because uh, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, always, yeah. it's always you know, been there. It's there. It's never going to go anywhere. So it's like one of those things like, Oh, Filipino food. It's, it's there. Yeah. You know, it was never one of those things where we're necessarily proud of it, mm. I want to say. Um, and I think that's one big change right now is that we're proud of Filipino food now. Right. So and we... Mm -hmm. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I cut you and, off. and we're not afraid to say that we are proud. And we're not afraid to show what um, it's all about. So that's one big change. There's just a lot more people talking about it now. Would you say that... And correct me if I'm using the, the M word incorrectly... But is that mean that Filipino is getting into the mainstream? I've there's two words I hate to say in Filipino food. That would be mainstream and fusion and no, not fusion. Well, yeah, fusion kind of. Okay, and then there's a the third word, authenticity. Perfect. <laughs> those perfect. those three words. It's it's perfect that you bring that up because this mainstream question is like a two part question. So yeah. would you say that Filipino food is going into the mainstream? I would say yes. Okay. I would really say yes. Um, initially, I would say that the okay mainstream media, I like you know with the fear factor, mm -hmm. not a good look on the first impression. Right. You know, um, mainstream in travel channel yeah sure you know it's it's there but are the people really appreciating it that's the thing ah okay yeah it's been there you know like it's easy to find articles and and youtube videos of things that you've seen on travel channel and on you know bourdain show right but are people listening are they appreciating it that's the question why do you feel like that is a need if we're going to define mainstream as that right where it's the mainstream on the diner's palettes so to speak why do you feel like it's important for Pinoy food to be at that level where a lot of people are able to appreciate it? You know, like you could make the argument, well, I mean, it's always been there. We've always enjoyed it. Why do we have to change that now? Well, for as, okay, me as being a Filipino American, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I guess if you're, if you're a Pinoy living abroad, you always have that struggle 
where okay how filipino am i yeah or how american am i am i both is it okay to be both um and i think that's the struggle we have right now even with talking with people who are born in the philippines there's always been this riff of you know um you guys don't know what you're talking about because you weren't born here or you guys are bastardizing our food mm-hmm. um so many you know really i guess negative questions and part of me wants to bring filipino food out into yeah the mainstream or out in 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 the eye of the general public is to show that we are proud of this food this is the food of our country yet there are people out there who are being creative with this food mm-hmm. and and i i believe that food is kind of you know how music is a soundtrack to your life yeah you know food is a a palette of your life it's the you know it's the it's your history and we here in the united states i for one um I used to speak Ilocano when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I could only hear it now and and understand it, but I cannot speak it. I feel really bad that that part of my culture has been erased. Mm-hmm. And I don't want that to happen to Filipino culture here in the United States because, you know, obviously over time, things are going to change. Like uh, the food's going to change because, you know, history influences from other countries, blah, blah, blah. But that's one part here that we can still retain even if our language isn't there 100% we'll still have the food right and i just feel that it's important for everybody to see that and see the difference between philippine food made in the philippines right and food filipino food made abroad right there has to be a distinction there because they're obviously they won't be twins they won't be the same and until people could understand that, they won't understand what Filipino food is. Right. So I'm glad you um, you said abroad and not just uh, states because I think one of the struggles that I found too is you know like I grew up in Saudi, so you know pork wasn't in our diet; it's mm-hmm. not legal there. Um, so it, you know I, I totally agree when. I would cook something without pork and they'd be like, well, that's not Filipino. And I'm like, what, what, what do you mean? Like, I grew up mm-hmm. on this and it's kind of erase, right. erasing that part of you. you know? right. So I, I, I appreciate that you said abroad. And you do feature Filipino food across the globe, right? Right. So, so I, we, <laughs> I was just actually just talking to some... Okay, shout out to Rex up in London. Um, he he's this young lad over there. He has the same passion, you Mm -hmm. know, to bring Filipino food to the limelight, not necessarily in the traditional way. He calls it contemporary Filipino food. Mm -hmm. And the way that he presents his food is, is beautiful. It's something that you would probably see like at a white tablecloth restaurant. And, um, we've seen chefs from Australia. I did not know that there were so many Filipino food enthusiasts in Australia. Oh Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was awesome to see that. And even um, in France, who would have thunk in France, right? All over Europe, of course, in Asia, Singapore, Hong Kong, Japan. And and then, of course, our girl Yana, she's down there in South America, yeah. you know, doing her thing in, in Colombia. So Filipino food is slowly but surely making its way to every single continent. And um, it's, it's really, it's inspiring to see that because... I'll, you know, when, when I first heard Filipino food was a homey thing, you know, it's very, it's deeply rooted in the home. Obviously it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but just to see it being served in, in so many different, um, ways in, you know, whether it be contemporary or even having influences from other countries, I think that's really cool. Right. And going back to something you said earlier, you have like a queue of 500 pictures, so yeah. two-part question again. So first is, how do you go about selecting them? Because I know from from a uh, just like a general person is flipping through Instagram, it looks almost random. Like you'd see really high-class Pinoy right <laughs> next to like someone's home cook. Like it's like, poor, you know, it's not always the best lighting. It's, yeah. It looks a little kitschy at times. How do you go about picking them? 
it's just one of those things where it's like if if a song hits you a certain way and if and you you feel like you have this emotion that like I feel what this is about. Yeah. When I see a dish, it conjures something in you. Yeah. You know, with us Filipinas, it's more than just a flavor. It's like an emotion. It's like a feeling that you get inside of you. So sometimes when I see a dish, like ah, you know, I want to post that. So it's it's that you know like the other day I posted you know Filipino spaghetti because it's National Spaghetti Day. That's one reason I may post something. Yeah. Another reason is because you know there's a holiday coming up. You know like for for Christmas, made sure I put on some you know some traditional Noche Buena things mm-hmm. on the feed. It I guess it just depends you know like how I'm feeling that day or like that's why I have this great app that keeps track of like all the all the pictures I like so what, I could go back and what app is that by the way I think it's called the repost app okay yeah and it just keeps a queue of like all the ones that you liked and then um, I would go ahead and put them on Hootsuite and um, sometimes I would uh, schedule them to be posted and a lot of these dishes yeah a lot of them are super random some of them are coming from people's kitchens some of them are coming from really high-end restaurants or or restaurants that are just opening. So it's if if a restaurant reached out to me and said, we have a special on the menu this week, we'd appreciate for you to to post it. How can I say no to that? Mm-hmm. It's it's all about promoting and you know supporting the restaurants out there. Because right. they like I said before, a lot of the restaurants that we went to were closing. We want to support the ones that are opening, the ones that are um that are operating right now and the ones that are lasting. That's a, that's another huge part of why I post certain things online. Right. Let's take a quick tangent on, because uh, you sparked a question in my head when you mentioned repost app. I, I actually use that as well. What are the, the tools that you use for your work right now? Like all the tech tools that you mentioned Hootsuite for, mm-hmm. that's for scheduling, right? Yeah. So Hootsuite, repost app, any other apps, tools that you use, hacks? Instagram, that's it. Those are my three. I don't use any fancy things, just me, my phone. That's it. So to all those listening out there who think they need a $99 suite of tools, you don't need it to get up to 32,000 and tell a story. Nope, you don't. Perfect. Um, So okay, going back to the Instagram account and all the pictures that you posted and also the ones in your queue... What are the similarities you've seen across the world when it comes to Filipino food? And also, well, the easier question would be, what are the differences? Okay, so a lot of the differences, yeah, you know, when you said that you were, um, that you grew up in Saudi, there's a lot of dietary restrictions. So I see a lot of people in, um, whenever I post something about pork, Mm -hmm. a lot of the comments would be, oh my God, this is diabetes on a plate, you know, like... (laughs) We're not even allowed to eat this. Yeah. So um, there's, you know, it just depends on what I post. Um, a lot of the differences is that in, in the, in abroad, um, particularly here in San Francisco, even in LA, they really take care of their staging. I want to say like they really like how, the lighting is and where you know the spoon is and things like that Mm -hmm. but if you go elsewhere like to the philippines you know what you see is what you get you know like they'll just take a picture and boom that's that's their instagram post right so um it just depends on where you are in the world like how you see things and how you want it portrayed on your feed i guess Mm -hmm. and um i honestly i can't really think of too many differences Wow, that's that's surprising. Besides, like besides, like the plating and how it's how it was photographed, not not too many differences. Um, Obviously, abroad a lot more contemporary, and using different ingredients. I I saw like a lumpia in Toronto that was posted by Tito Ranz. They put um, Caribbean jerk in their lumpia. You know, like I guess like you know in the Philippines, it's it's very very traditional. and abroad, it's a lot more, you know, a lot more, it's using different ingredients. Or perhaps it's not so much that they thought, 
hey, let's be creative with this. But I mean, th- these are the only ingredients here. <laughs> like you can't yeah. find fresh pinya in the middle of like the frozen tundra. Of, uh, oh, that's true. You know that's what I mean? True too. So I wonder if that's also a reason that drives the difference is not because, you know, when you have when you have um, traditionalists say like, oh, you know, you're intentionally maligning the cuisine. Well, I, I can't find tropical fruits here. <laughs> like I've got oh, that- to work, you know. That's true too. Yeah. Um, now that I think about it, you know, like in the Philippines, you'd see a tinola with with really good malongai. Oh my gosh! But here <laughs> it's frozen. You know, I, I can't here, use it. Here you can't even use it here, or you use spinach. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or in the Philippines, you'd use camias, uh, cigarillas, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and here you'd use uh, like camias, that's like um, really tart and sweet. And, and um, the flavor profile would be for like a, was that for a sinigang? Yeah, yeah. Here, a lot of people don't even bother using fresh souring agents. They'd use a packet. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, you're, you're very right. It has to do with availability of the ingredients and what you have here. So I wonder, you know, have you been able to, have, have people actually been tagging Filipino food? Because I know that's how you get featured. Have people mm-hmm. in Pinas been tagging? Oh, yeah. Lots of people have been, even the restaurants over there. And it's what's cool is that people have been posting other people's pictures mm-hmm. <laughs> with Filipino food movement in our in our handle. So that's how we find a lot of our pictures. I've seen people in the Philippines, they could be posting anything from, you know, their morning tahol, yeah. which I love, yeah. to things that they would eat at there was this there was this really cool picture that I saw that somebody tagged us in. It was a whole lechon that was stuffed with um I think it was truffle paella, which yeah. was awesome. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that sounded amazing. I was like, we would never get that here in the in America. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um I was very surprised that it actually reached the Philippines because I thought it was just gonna be here in, in the United States or, mm-hmm. you know, like again, like I never thought it would get this big. But we have 32,000 followers and we have 30,000 pictures tagged with Filipino food movement. Yeah. So there's a lot of people out there who are really looking out for us and and really looking for dishes that might make it onto the feed. Even though uh, tagging a picture doesn't necessarily mean like, okay, that's the only way you could get on the feed. But just having that hashtag available for people to click on Mm -hmm. and say, okay, this is what we want people to see for the movement. Right. That's that's awesome. So I think I'm very you, surprised. I, didn't you make a comment? I think it was a year ago where you actually stated like you're not trying to feature just oh we're just gonna do like the high end you know like frou frou Pinoy version. Um, and you're really trying to get a broad spectrum of what Filipino food looks like across the world. Yeah. Um, do you think like so the let's go back to the the backlash part of it. Where you said um, some people are like, oh, you know, you're you're bastardizing our cuisine. Do you see some of those people actually post their pictures and say, here's what it should look like at the very least, or is it really just in the comment section? It's really just in the comment section. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> then I was gonna ask more follow up questions, but at that point, I can't really, I can't really say anything because if it's uh, just the comment section, you're not really. I really don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, well, okay. Hypothetically, if somebody did say. Um, okay, now this is what Filipino food should look like. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, you know, authenticity is different for every person. Right. And if somebody did really post it and say, okay, like, okay, prime example, we posted a picture of, what was it? A chicken kare kare. Mm-hmm. For somebody who didn't eat meat or even like a um, a, a vegan kare kare. And, you know, the word vegan already scares a lot of people. To that, I say, don't knock it until try it. And they would say, that is not real Filipino food. Mm-hmm. It's like saying to a New Yorker, oh, have, um, have one of our pizzas that's like topped with, you know, sun-dried tomatoes and, and arugula here in California. A hardcore New Yorker will say, that shit's not pizza. Yeah, yeah. That's actually been told to me. I went to New York. And I told them about the pizza here, and they're like, "That shit's not pizza." Yeah, you know. Even though the real pizza does not like the what the original original pizza does not look anything like the ones we have here, <laughs> right? 
So again, it depends on who you're talking to. So obviously, if you go to somebody who loves, who is so darn hard about their, their oxtail and their bagong, and they see something that's not made with that, they're going to obviously say, that's not it. I don't like it, mm-hmm. even without trying it. Right. To go a little and, bit, phil- uh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, you you mentioned this whole thing, and it's it sounds just like a lot of, unnecessary angst you know um just because how inherently tied to our identity food is i wonder if you have any opinions on how should people go around navigating that emotional i don't want to call it stress right um but you know a large part i think this is just a theory but i think a large part of why people don't really throw themselves into like i'm gonna cook Pinoy food or Italian food or this cultural food. I'm just gonna like try to to steer away from calling it anything is because they don't wanna, you know, get hurt because people right. will in, invariably say, Well, that's not right, you know, you're 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 wrong or something. How would you how would you advise someone who's trying to navigate that that potential minefield? Well, we're always gonna be a very emotional and proud people. Mm-hmm. Um, we're always gonna say, Well, that adobo's not as good as my mom's. Um, I would say to somebody who is going to cook something, like whether it be in their own kitchen or in their, in their restaurant, just do it. Um, there are always going to be people who are going to say that that's not what they grew up with or something that they want to eat. Just, and this is for the eater too. You got to go in there with an open mind. You have to expect you. You have to expect that whatever you're going to eat is going to be different from whatever you had, and if it's the same, great. You know, like I've heard people who said, like, "Oh my God, this is as good as my mom's," or "This does remind me of my mom's," which is awesome. But for those who like adobo, I think that's the reason why I feel like adobo is so important in Filipino food is that. It could be made in so different, so many different ways, mm-hmm. with soy sauce, without soy sauce, you know, with onions, without onions, and I think if a person goes into a restaurant and orders it with such a with such a rigid, or I want to say not rigid, more of like such a hardcore thought of like what it should be, mm-hmm. they are doing a disservice to themselves because they are not ah. letting themselves appreciate an interpretation given by another person they won't enjoy it as much they won't ah. they won't i think they should go in there with an open mind and take it for what it is appreciate it for what it is yeah i think that's that's an interesting take on it it's not so much like oh you know you should respect the chef it's actually hey this is a way for you to actually enjoy it more instead of i don't know the, the cathartic release that you get when writing a bad yelp review or, <laughs> or i don't know however else you could <laughs> release your pent-up it's, emotion it's, about it yeah I hear in, I have a lot of professional chef friends and I ask them like, what is your, what is like one of your biggest annoyances in the kitchen? Mm-hmm. You know? And they say, it's when I get a motherfucking ticket that says, no, has to be this certain type of fish with this certain type of green. And at the end of it, it's a totally different dish. <laughs> you just Like the substitutions <laughs> are ridiculous. Like, I mean, like allergies, fine. But just because you're not on an arugula diet, you know, doesn't mean you should go into a restaurant and try to change his own repertoire, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I think. Like, I think people who go to get Filipino food, just just try it. With Don't make any prejudgments about it. Yeah. Just do it. Eat it with an open mind. That's all. That's the best thing you can do for yourself. Or learn how to cook. Do your own substitutions. Mm-hmm. Get to call it Filipino food, and hey, you have a much you know you've added to the con- you know you contributed to the conversation. Yes, exactly. I'll be part of the conversation. Yeah, you could start a conversation and and go rant about it, but be part of the solution as well. Yeah, you yeah. know you can't go into a comment and say, you know, the way you're doing it is wrong. Okay, going back to that that scenario. Okay, if somebody did say this is how you're supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. And they tagged us in it. I would go back to the post and say, oh, okay, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. You know, this is why you're doing it this way. 
So if somebody opened up that conversation with us and really, you know, took the time to, to show us this is not the only way to do it, then of course I would greatly appreciate it instead of just bashing on somebody's dish. That, yeah. that goes nowhere. That mm. goes nowhere. I feel like this is a very, uh, for me, <laughs> this has turned into like a therapeutic <laughs> Skype call for me. Um, <laughs> so it's, you know what? Food is therapy, it, you know, <laughs> dangerously. So <Food> is- <laughs> dangerously. So, so I know we're coming up, um, to the end of the hour, but I did want to go into these really quick. Like I, I ask, uh, these really quick questions at the end of the show. Um, most of the people who have been on the show have been asked some variation of this. So you could take as long as you want to answer, but the questions are going to be super short. Yeah. Cool? So, person who's most influenced you from a culinary or writing standpoint, and why? Right off the bat, it's my grandma. It's mm-hmm. um, we call her Inang here in our family. Mm-hmm. She was the one who really started it for me. She she let me cook. Um, she let me, you know, fry up the the onions and the garlic, where you know the aromas just like permeated the house. You know, mm-hmm. like. That that just brings me back to that time where it was just so like I don't know it's, it was just a, such a good time. She and I guess our our family in general, how we lived back in the day, it was it was by no means you know like it was hard being of being a immigrant family and being first born here. Um, just their habits and how they live molded how I approached food and how I view Filipino food today. Okay, so that's my grandma. Nice. So this one, because I know you both cook and write, so one for each. Best tool mm-hmm. you've ever purchased for writing and cooking. So for cooking, besides the knife, you can't say the knife. Ah, crap. I know. Everyone says that. Everyone's like, no, why not the knife? Because <laughs> you have to have a good knife. Um, the best tool I've bought, a pair of tongs. Okay. I have these really cool tongs that, you know, you hit a button and it stays in place. <laughs> um, <laughs> a pair of tongs because I, I love doing barbecue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love grilling. It's such a, I don't know, a primal way of, of cooking food. That's like one of the first ways to cook food and, you know, just getting a good slab of meat on the, on the grill. Yeah. yeah. How about yep. for writing? And for writing, I guess a good computer. You know, you have to have, well, that and a camera. Well, Hold on. <laughs> you get to, to pick one. You get to pick oh, one. Oh, God. Okay. You know, if you really want to write, you got to have a good, you know, a good computer with a good word processing system. That's it. But, <laughs> oh, man, this is hard. Because, I know, like, right? Because you could also say, okay, well, honestly, okay, no, I take that back because you could write with a pencil and paper, which is available everywhere. The best thing I bought for my writing that inspired my writing was Amy Bass's book. Ah, here we go. Now we're getting somewhere. Yeah. So her cookbook with, with Chef um, Romy this from This is uh, memory, of, memory of Philippine Kitchens? Philippine Kitchens. Okay. Yep. I bought that a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, it was just on my, on my nightstand. And I was just like, look at all the pictures. Yeah, and yeah. I, I never cooked from it. But just like, you know, reading... It was, it was awesome. Oh, yeah. Coincidentally, that's actually the first cookbook and Filipino cookbook at the same time that I've ever owned in my life. Me too. Yeah, that's crazy. It was, yeah. Um, okay, next question. Three spices to describe you. <laughs> it's so funny how you brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> Out of nowhere. Um, I, was on, I was on Facebook yesterday and somebody was talking about the Spice Girls having a reunion. Yeah. And I was like, okay, if I could be a Spice, I would be Silly Spice. <laughs> <laughs> because I love, you know, I love being silly. And I'm fucking, you know, like, I love hot food. I yeah. love spicy food. So, you know, um, Thai chilies. Okay, that's, that's one. Like, yeah, that's one. Another one would just be salt. I don't know if that's a spice. That is, that seasoning. is. Yeah, it is. I'm from Pangasinan. Okay. Uh, well, my family is. I was made there. Um, it's all about salt. You know, without salt, you don't have any other flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, and the third one would be, huh? I don't really cook with spices too often. It's usually just sugar, salt, and chilies. So, any, pr- any I, particular type of sugar, by the way? Any type of sugar. 
No. Okay. As long as it's sweet. <laughs> That's all. I uh I just interviewed um these cool guys who are doing a catering uh slash pop up slash potential food truck out in Minnesota and they almost said the same thing. They were like, Well, we're spicy, so we're gonna say <laughs> cayenne and brown sugar. So that's why I said I asked if there's a particular sugar. Um it'd oh, be interesting it's... to see what would happen if I asked all these people what their what their the spices to describe them more. You and should. there's like these three ones that are always recurring. You should. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well if if you really want to get, you know, metaphorical with it, yeah, I would be brown sugar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to influence the decision. Um <laughs> okay. So you, you talked about Tita Amy's book. So besides that one, if you would recommend a uh not even just for Pinoy's for anyone uh who's mm-hmm. looking to appreciate enjoy cook eat whatever just have a better relationship with food what book documentary or resource would you recommend okay um cloud tyog's books okay those are awesome um and what 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 do they cover by the way they cover oh my god i forgot the name i can't even think of the name but he's very uh he's from pampanga angeles city uh, they call that the food capital of the Philippines. And um, he has a restaurant called uh, Bali Datong, which is basically in his house. So he's uh, he's like a renaissance man. He's an artist. He's a chef. He's a writer. Very infectious personality. I had the um, privilege of meeting him a couple of years at a festival here. Oh, and you guys brought them out? Yeah. That's what's up. He was super awesome. We had a dinner that was curated by him from the cookbooks. So he brought over um, Bringhe, but it was pizza form, which I think is available at his at his cafe in Angeles. Okay. So, um, so Claude Dayag, he's a great influence. Let me see who else. Um, see, I'm not very familiar with, you know, names in the Philippines, only no, because be. like I'm I'm like super, I don't know. I'm very internet. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. It could be any, it could be an online documentary, online yeah, resource, whatever. Because a lot of the influences I get are my from my blogger friends, are from ah. my my fellow bloggers. Um, there's burnt lumpia in LA. Burnt lumpia, like burnt, like yeah. sunog. Yes. Okay. Um, he actually has a book called The Adobo Road okay. Cookbook, which is very, very good photography. He does his own photography. Okay. And um it's his recipes are super easy and they are filipino american i should get I these guys that. on the show yeah burnt lumpia i want to say carolina dobo she is also in la she and her family they cook their own food they bake their own breads they raise their own chickens to to lay the eggs like this family is amazing and she does something every sunday called sunday baguette and like she sets up her her supper table with like obviously a fresh baguette that they bake at their house. Get out of here. With yeah, with um with the eggs that they got from their hens, um, meats that they cured themselves. It's amazing. And she does really great Filipino dishes too. She and sounds like the Filipino Dan Barber, you know. <laughs> <laughs> She's so cool. Like I met her. A few years ago when I was um, in L.A. and she made this Halo Halo Tres Leches cake. Oh, my God. Holy <laughs> crap. It was so cool. Um, but honestly, like for a home cook, if they wanted resources, I would say cookbooks are great. Like um, the ones that are mentioned. And, uh, but honestly, a lot of those dishes can't be made because you need certain tools and a certain type of pan and things like that. But um, like with food bloggers, they cook from their homes. Mm. So a lot of the dishes that they do can be made with like things you already have in your kitchen already in your pantry. Yeah. And um, so if you're like a professional chefs, like consulting these cookbooks, especially the ones that have really top notch plating. Yeah. Cause you know, there is this misconception that Filipino food is really ugly that it's all brown and all of it is just like a slop on a plate, you know? But if you look at these cookbooks, you'll see that they're, they're beautiful yeah. and they're colorful and they're not necessarily unhealthy. 
Right, right, right. So, mm-hmm. last one. If they had to boil down, I mean, you've been, you've, you've kind of ranged the spectrum from writing to organizing to social media to, you know, doing Filipino food movement. If you boil that all down into one message, one sentence that the world can like kind of take the message from, what would that sentence be? Oh crap! That's not the quote. Um. <laughs> oh, I mean, we could keep it at that. The message oh, is crap. oh crap. Well, oh man, that's really hard because there's like the so key takeaway. Many... What's the one message you want people to take away from all this work that you've put? Like ever since we were writing about, I don't know, your bun me from college. Mm-hmm. Filipino food is worth knowing. Okay. It's worth it. I just think it's worth it. Is there a song like that? Was like you're worth it, or baby, I'm worth it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I was yep. just like singing in my own head. Um, okay, <laughs> so oh, man, I feel like we could go on forever with this. I, I, I wish ticket prices weren't so expensive that I could fly <laughs> out there um, to to see the food scene out there. Um, but you know, thanks for the time. And oh, no uh, I PJ is headed here in June, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe you'll get to tag along. Huh? I hope, like. The last time I went to New York was in 2012, and that was the first time I had purple yam, oh, yeah. maharlika. Yep. And like since then, like pig and cow, kuma in, like God, like I want to see you guys. It's, yeah. It's so it's so funny how you know like what you said earlier, like we converse online, you know, all the time, but having to actually talk you know, mm. brings it to another level. Right. So I, I hope to be there soon. Oh, I forgot. One last question, by the way. Yep. Promise is going to be the last one. So if people wanted to follow the story, see your work, where should, I don't know, like where should they go online or where can they find you, basically? Yeah, so um, we have an Instagram at Filipino Food Movement and we also have a separate Instagram account at Saver Filipino. So initially, S-A-V-O-R, right? Yes, yes O-R. Okay. Um, initially, Saver Filipino was just to document the big event that we had in 2014. Mm-hmm. But it has since evolved to um, a space where we share flyers and the actual faces of the Filipino food movement. Mm-hmm. Whereas at Filipino food movement is more of the food. Like we just uh, wanted okay. it strictly food. Because when you see the, the dish... You really have to read into it to see like where it came from, things like that. But with with Saver Filipino, you actually see the movers and shakers of FFM. Right. We're also on Twitter. We had too many characters in our name, so we had to condense that to Phil Food Movement. Mm-hmm. And uh, also at Saver Filipino. And then we also have our website, www.filipinofoodmovement.com. And we also have Facebook, where we post articles daily. So you could just search Filipino food movement or actually I think it's the Filipino food movement on Facebook. Right. And for those who are listening who, and this is not an embarrassing question because I actually used to misspell it even though I'm part Filipino uh, when I was younger. (laughs) Filipino is F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O, right? Yep. With an F. Perfect. Okay. So thanks again, Joanne. Uh, Excited to see what else the the network does and where the movement goes i'm excited too it's it's growing every day and i'm excited to see how this movement influences the world right honestly i'm i'm so excited all right thanks again okay thanks follow bye